Okay, before we go live via satellite from Las Vegas and Los Angeles simultaneously, we need to bring you a word from our sponsor. As they used to say in old-fashioned radio, long before my time. This is the JT and Looney Podcast. Episode 84. Powered by Believe and Bet Online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. The best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up at Bet Online. And what's interesting to note here, if you are a friend of the JT and Looney podcast, just go to betonline.ag and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. How about that, Mr. Fung? Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Now, we are going to use Zoom here, but we're not going to do the podcast in ubby-dubby language. I traffic on Waze. Huh? <laughs> hey, I love the Waze app. I'm one of those robots who follow my iPhone, and I go into my iPhone map because I'm comfortable with it, or in my vehicle where I have my own navigation. So I'm confused. I'm, I'm, I just Waze is big in New York and L.A., right? Well, yeah, what's great is because all these people participate, it's got more information. So they use all that information so they can and, and a lot of people participate and help it work better. So uh, and also reports on where there's cops. Cops aren't pulling over as many people these days because they want to keep people out of jails because of COVID. But um, nevertheless, I love it. And my brother and I will have these geeky conversations like the time we ignored ways and went with our own instincts. You know, you, you pay a price when you do that. <laughs> I don't like to make a left on Doheny and a right on La Cienega and a left <laughs> on Beverly Glen. That to me just brings more chaos into it. Oh, well, I'd I, rather yeah. sit on the 110 or the two or one of the freeways and just you know, just wait for traffic to subside instead of diving into the valley or diving into Hollywood and trying to catch lights and, and make right on reds and all that. It seems very nerve wracking. I used to find it very exciting when I got out of work. It would just always tell me to take, you know, the 101 to the 134 to the 5. Like the Californians always talked about on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> but every once in a while, I'd finish work and we'd be done at, uh, at 10 o'clock. I'd hop in the car and it would tell me to take the Hollywood freeway all the way home. And I'd say, yes, it knows something I don't. That's when I would get really excited. Or if I get in the house and it would tell me, it would normally tell me to take the five to the 134 to the 101. Instead, I get in the house and it would tell me, you know, to uh, take the 110 and, until for three miles and get on the Hollywood freeway. And I'd say, oh, it knows something I don't. It's telling me to take a different way than I take every day. So that's when it gets exciting, when it knows something you don't. Another way that Waze app is great is when you think you know a better way or the way you normally would have went. And then the normally the way you would have went was cockamamie. That teaches you new ways to go places. Am I a little too excited about the ways out? <laughs> because there was a cyber attack on our pipeline. I think you might want to gas up and fill up your tank unless you have a Prius or an electric I vehicle. I God. see more Teslas every time I'm in California. But, ooh, I only remember this as a little, little, little baby boy right out of the crib. There was something called odd and even days with gas. And Jimmy Carter would have to speak to the nation. Oh, right. About we didn't have enough gas. And now... 
on ABC World News tonight where David Muir is always so nervous. He's nervous for you. He's <laughs> nervous for the Gaza Strip. He's nervous for everybody. Uh, he's nervous about gas lines coming, Tom. And you live in L.A. I think this is more of an East Coast problem as it we is. Begin, but uh, load up on some gasoline uh, ahead of the summer and maybe cut down on your driving. Uh, cutting down your driving is always a good thing in life. Uh, it was great during L.A. during the, uh, the you hate to say it this way, but it's, there's no other way to put it. People were so excited in L.A. about how clear the freeways were during the stay at home orders. And we had just a great year of much less traffic in L.A. And so the upside to the horrible traffic means our economy is getting back. But the number one downside of L.A., everyone usually agrees, is the traffic. And I believe that was the Arab oil oil embargo when uh, back in uh, when they had the odd even days on the East Coast. But I don't think that was Jimmy Carter during the Arab oil embargo. I will have to check. I'll, I'll, I'll Google, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tell you Google that later. It's not important right speak. now. Did you talk about a stay at home order? Were you ordered in, in California and Hollywood to stay at home? Well, yeah, they changed the name. It was called shelter in place, shelter in place. And the mayor said, ah. That sounds a little harsh, shelter in place. So they called it the stay at home orders. Yes, stay at home sounded nicer than shelter in place. So, yeah, so it was, it was worse when it was called shelter in place. They, it was a little bit nicer when they said stay at home, but it was an order. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tim Tebow's back. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Now, you've been known to interrupt me, but never put words in my mouth. Right. you're a wordsmith, but I will tell you that there's a, just a few things in life that I'm an expert on. Mm -hmm. I'm an expert on very few things in life. <laughs> I'm just a Geneseo State graduate. I don't, I'm not an expert on many things, but I am an expert on Tim Tebow. Yes, you are. I knew of Tim Tebow in high school because my in-laws lived in St. Augustine where he played high school at Nice. So we heard about this high school phenom baseball and football player mm -hmm. who was going to the University of Florida, going to be a Gator. Then he goes there and, oh, nothing, has one of the greatest careers ever, dating back to Bear Bryant, dating back to Joe Namath, two national championships, a Heisman Trophy. It was great. Every award you can win in the SEC. He goes to the NFL. Eh, he won a playoff game. He did. Yeah. He yes. was in the playoffs. He threw a couple of really nice passes, ran for first downs, really physical. And then after the Jets, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. He was out of the NFL, tried baseball. But he is the most polarizing athlete. I can tell you in our longtime friendship together, well over 16, 17 years, 14 on the air, probably longer than that, the most polarizing athlete in the world because of his faith, because of religion. More polarizing than Colin Kaepernick? More polarizing than Colin Kaepernick. Oh, I don't Here's believe why. you, but go ahead. Here's why. He's so into his religion, which I support. If you're a Buddhist, if you're Muslim, if you're Jewish, if you're Catholic, a Christian, and you want to talk about your faith, I've never been uncomfortable about that. Mm -hmm. People get so uncomfortable when someone hits a walk-off three and they pound their chest and they point to the ceiling, which is God, or they score a touchdown and kneel in prayer, not in protest, and they talk about thank you, Jesus, or thank you, God, or an Academy Award. Thank you. I would not be here without my talents. Thank you, God. People get polarized and freak out, and that's why everybody talks about Tebow. Yeah, there was a lot of look at me with Tebow as well. People don't always like the look at me thing. 
And people who agreed with him on a lot of things ignored the look at me, just like people always do. People, people will be happy if <laughs> their favorite politician bangs a porn star. If it's the guy on their side, it's not as upsetting. It's the guy on the other side, they're outraged. And the same thing with Tebow. Some people, you know, I, I, one of the things that was polarizing, and it's always been, when college punks who live with their mother uh, and don't even you know, don't have any money in the bank have and are, and are protesting whether it's for peace or anti-abortion and giving giving commercials telling full grown grown-ups a child who lives with his mother doing commercials telling grown-ups not to have an abortion ah, that's gonna that's gonna really set some people off well i, and, I agree with you that's polarizing <laughs> because of his religion yeah. he's talking about his religion whenever people talk about their religion it makes people uncomfortable yeah. what happened with tebow is Tebow also, I think, came in before because his college years and when he was known before social media, that would be Twitter. And then he's uh, lived his whole professional life on Twitter. Right. And what happens is a lot of people, when they meet him, I, I tweeted this out and I used it as my pin tweet, as the kids would say, <laughs> my pin tweet. And I'll keep it up here for the podcast. Here was the tweet. Let me explain this for those who still don't get it. Tim Tebow is better than the majority of all humans. Better person, athlete, and he gives back with more charity work than some NFL teams combined. Get it now? He's special. So stop being so jealous and let him play sports. And people now over the last couple of days, because Urban Meyer, his friend, yeah. his boss who got two of his rings because Tebow made every play, made every <laughs> play and won the Heisman. Right. Urban's right. Been, yeah, I like this guy. I like him around the dinner table. I like him around my rookies who are 21 on my Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he may be fun in the preseason running some routes as a tight end. I think he could bury people into the ground. Let's give him a shot. And people, Tom, can't handle it because it's Tim Tebow. If it's a guy who was 33 or 31 or 29 you never heard of, it wouldn't even be a blip. But it's Tim Tebow and everybody's freaking out. Yeah, and the one thing I've always admired him for, several things I admired him for, some of the things were exaggerated, the things you said. Oh, he shows up early and he leaves late. Every guy who plays in the NFL shows up early and leaves late. You know, when Cam Newton broke his back, it was because he flipped his truck during the bye week because he was going into the, going into the practice facility to, to, to see tape. You know, every, anybody who makes it in the NFL, everyone, you can find me a throwout statistic of a guy with natural talent who shows up late, but there's not many. Every guy in the NFL shows up early and leaves late if they really want to continue to play in the NFL. So that was a little bit over-exaggerated. However, uh, what can't be over-exaggerated is this is a guy with big goals who's never been afraid to go after big goals while we all are watching and critiquing and taking shots. And how did he get this job? It's how everybody gets the job. You know, a friend of mine that I met, thanks to... Uh, the radio job over the years and flying to Vegas for fights. Cindy Rakowitz, the former president of Playboy. She now has a very successful public relations firm and and a, a charity fit for the cause. And I sit on the board. Um, she was she gave me a book for Christmas called All Business is Personal. And I looked at the title of the book and I thought, well, the title's too good. I get it. <laughs> I don't need to read the book. The title was too good. How did Tim Tebow possibly get this job with the Jaguars? He has a personal relationship with the coach. That's how life works. 
If I opened up a restaurant, I would call all my old restaurant friends. If I opened up a restaurant again, I've had them before. And that's how they would get these friends would get their job in my cool restaurant because they knew me. And that's how he got this cool tryout with the Jacksonville Jaguars because he knows the coach and he's incredibly talented. And so that's how he was able to cut the line, as JT would say. And that's how everyone's able to cut the line in life by knowing somebody and by being good to that person. And then that person wants to try to do something, do a favor for you. That's how life works. So this part of it doesn't bother me. Yeah, what I, what I find just fascinating about it is what he does is so special because he does so much. And, and I know that sometimes people don't care about the exact charity work that people do because the right. best charity work that people do, people aren't aware of. Exactly. Right. So they're supposed to do the Catholicism is called losing your graces. You're not supposed yeah, to talk about the charity. Supposed to be anonymous. But what happens in media is a little bit different is where people get motivated. The reason why the president and governors now are asking celebrities to get shots in their arms because for whatever reason, right. there's people sitting at home that are, that don't have their vaccination and they think a rapper or a baseball star or someone else, a movie star getting a needle is going to say, Oh, Oh, okay. Give me an Uber. It works. I'm going to, it works. Right. Yeah. So when Tebow does something and a lot of it, we don't see, he does this prom every year. He does a national prom every year for kids with special needs. Oh, I love that. Home, and they have this prom and he dresses up. Oh, by the way, he married a Miss Universe, I believe. Because he's so deep. No, he can. Because he waited long enough to write. He picks the most importantly. You're right. Because he can. Long enough. He does that and it's incredible. And then he recently had his big gala, his biggest charity event for his foundation in that area of Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Tim Brown, the former Raider hall of famer, got a hole in one on his golf tournament. And I saw it at that, you know, the par three seventeen, the water hole, which everybody mm -hmm. needs in life. He got a hole in one and I congratulated Tim on, on, on the phone and Tim Brown, Tim Brown. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then I knew a guy who was at the gala. And then I ran into the guy who was at Fred Bolitnikoff's event. I and I go, tell me about the Tebow thing. He goes, Oh my God. I've never seen anything like it. The auction items were this many hundreds of thousands and this many hundreds of thousands. And he gets on the mic and the way he talks and looks at everybody. He's just different now. Well, well yeah. Talk about that because you've met, I didn't meet him. It was a super bowl. I think in San yeah. Francisco and I wasn't there. Talk about that. The, the night he came on radio row. So there was mm -hmm. super bowl. He came on radio row. I interviewed him in the cattle call and it was you know, a good interview. Should be able to find it, if not for this podcast, a 10-minute interview, cattle call interview. And then the next night, we went out to dinner. My boys, you know, my friends always come to the Super Bowl with me. Right. Yes. In my room. Well, this one was in New York, so it wasn't hard. They were from there. And we went out to Tao, the dinner nightclub in Manhattan. Big, fancy spot. Got in there. Reservation. I forget how. And we're having dinner, and Tebow walks in. And Howard Stern was there that night. It was just wow. a sea of celebrities. <laughs> Tebow walked in most most popular guy in the room. It was a Tom Cruise type experience. You felt like Tom Cruise came in. So my buddy Kenny took a picture with him and it was the greatest picture Kenny ever took. And Kenny takes nice pictures. Right. He's got pictures with Tupac. He's got pictures with athletes, but he took this picture. And Tim Tebow was nice enough to shake my hand and say, hey, thanks for that interview yesterday. He remembered. Oh, I said, hey, how I nice. Thanks for wow. doing that. He was kind enough to take a photo. And I just had a great experience. Just a quick one. And my mother-in-law 
loves Tim Tebow. I mean, loves Tim Tebow like she loves Willie Nelson and all the, you know, the country stars that you and my mother-in-law talk about. Yes. <laughs> and it just Tebow's a good person. And when getting yeah. back to football for a second, I don't think he's going to make the Jaguars. I really don't think he's good enough to play that new position in the NFL, but he damn deserves an opportunity to try and achieve his goals because that's all we say in this country. Wake up every day. If you're healthy enough, if you can breathe air, be motivated and try to help others. And that's what he does. Gloria Allred told me. How's that for a name drop? It's called seizing the moment. You know, people will wander up to her at places at dinner or wherever and say, I have a friend who's been sexually harassed. She doesn't find it annoying at all. She says it's called seizing the moment. Tim Tebow's seizing the moment. His friend became the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was his college coach who adores him. So he would like to get back into the NFL and work again with his friend, and he's going to see if it works out. And he's seizing the moment, and that's what we all need to try to do in life to fulfill our one and only life. So uh, he's never bothered me as much as he did other people. He did, you know, and he's backed off. He spoke for some groups that were thought of as hate groups, some anti, you know, the, the I think it was focus on the family. It was really, they were just obsessed with gay people. They weren't really caring about the family. And so eventually he backed off from being associated with that group. And that might even been the group that had the, the Super Bowl commercial because he doesn't need to be associated with anybody other than Tim Tebow. And he had, a, you know, and, and he loves Hollywood. And the focus on the family people weren't big fans of Hollywood. And Tim Tebow, the, you know, little secret is he loves Hollywood. And he was... I mean, again, when you were talking about uh, women and his long line of, of starlets, he would watch television and then have his agent call the agent of girls that he liked on television. I mean, if you can do that, it's called JT. That's called seizing the moment. <laughs> so he was, uh, you know, and if you can do that and you've got, I, I also have to go by what people say mm. when you know, like you. Why shouldn't I take anybody's word over yours? So I'm supposed to take somebody's word who's in, the, in their parents' basement in Pittsburgh, Kansas, or yours about Tim Tebow? Yeah, I just, the Tim Tebow thing for me is just let the guy live his best life. Yeah. There are plenty of athletes with handcuffs in the back of police cruisers <laughs> and getting DUIs. And yeah, <laughs> this right. dirty, filthy, not, I don't want to say that. There's not plenty. There's not plenty of them. There's oh, yeah, because you, so, well, you do work for a team. So one thing we do have to point out is professional athletes in general get arrested for dastardly crimes less than plumbers and carpenters and school teachers and people who do other occupations in America. They get more publicity. But in general, by occupation, uh, professional athletes are better citizens than the rest of us. But their arrests always end up on TMZ. And the other thing that Tebow did, which was interesting on this special edition, Tim Tebow <laughs> podcast with JT and Looney at jtandlooney.com. It's like a free podcast. I got a free radio show the other night. I right. just showed up and I just I read my Facebook. I, if everybody could go to my Facebook at JT the Brick and you could see uh, the response I get, I wrote a love letter to football <laughs> and Tim Tebow on Facebook. And I got a whole radio show out of it. Like I got a whole Pulp Beat Rose show out of about three weeks ago when he right. called and all that. It's, pretty, it's nice when you can get a free radio show coming up. But with him, 
he's a successful broadcaster. He got his opportunity because he's popular on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Great. He was in Jeremy Schapp doing a 30 for 30. He was an investigative reporter. Right. He couldn't host, couldn't host to the point where he was good on a round table or at an SEC game. But he's also something that I aspire to be. I wrote a book, The Handoff, and I still dream of going on the road speaking on it. And I'm right. still working on the TED Talk that's taken way too long. But to motivate others through a piece of work. And Tim Tebow is a motivational speaker, too. He makes a lot of money. And yep. he shows up at corporate events for an hour with a private jet. You can put, you can put a nest egg for the rest oh. of you. Know, ask Caitlyn Jenner. You can put a nest egg uh, for life and just uh, you know, on your accomplishments. If you can you know, get a good speechwriter together and you have your own ability to do it. And Bruce Jenner did that for decades. And remember when Bruce became Caitlyn and won the SB Courage Award and all that controversy, but gave this tremendous speech because no one had seen him give one. But he had been giving speeches in America for 30 years. And he gave that great speech as Caitlyn. And people were kind of thrown off by that because it was so good. Yeah, uh, he's been... If you ever see him speak in person, or you want to, if you want to want YouTube any of his his, his uh, speaking engagements, he's really, really good. One of my friends who represents a lot of Hall of Famers and close to be Hall of Famers represents Joe Theismann, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't believe how I've saw him speak once in Vegas. Joe Theismann is incredible. Yeah, he's not only a great personal speaker, he could tell the Lawrence Taylor broken leg story, corporate stuff, life in the 70s, a Super right. Bowl camp and MVP. And then he really knows how to play up the room at a corporate event. So some people are better than others at that. So we have a friend who's who makes buku bucks doing corporate events. It's not, you know, it's not always glamorous. And he doesn't always advertise it, but he probably wouldn't mind us talking and saying nice things behind his back about his corporate speaking ability and the bank that he gets. Jay Moore. Yeah. Jay's great. Jay Moore does his corporate We haven't events. talked to Jay in a while, and it's it's a good time for me to say just quickly there that, you know, Jay Moore is the only man qualified on all of sports radio to be funny. <laughs> and I happily work with a couple of guys on Mad Dog who are pretty funny in the morning, Evan yeah. Abs, and I, I like those guys, and I like them a lot. But Jay Moore's the only one qualified oh to be a comedian. And I was driving around the other night. I don't want to put my consultant hat on. But someone was doing a bit on J-Lo and Ben Affleck getting back together on sports radio, and they must have thought it was such a good bit. They said, when we come back, I'm going to tell you more about it. And I said, oh, my no, God. don't. This sports talk host thinks he's funny. He thinks he's a comedian. I, I wish I had his number. I would have said, when you get off the air tonight, do five minutes at the Chuckle Hut. Go down to the local comedy store and do five minutes and tell me if you can do it before you get back on Sports Talk Radio. Well, Jay, yeah, Jay was just so good at Sports Talk, and he was just so funny, and he's a good person. I got a text from Jay a couple weeks ago because he heard me on the radio, and uh, you know, it was just really, really cool uh, that he would, you know, that he took the time to do that. Oh, he's because he, he was he was he's a big radio fan. He's always a, was a radio guy. And we we were surprised how well he knew us or thought he knew us when he when he met us at Fox Sports Radio because he had been listening to radio for years. Immediate topic: Kenny Mayne, long time, long time Sports Center anchor, former UNLV quarterback. Yeah, former UNLV quarterback. He tweeted out earlier in the week: "I'm leaving ESPN. Salary cap casualty. Thanks for the opportunity and for taking my solicitations." And he had fun with it. He said, I will miss the people. I will miss the vending machine set up over the old Van Pelt joint 
we had everything into the great wide open. And I said to myself, wow, Kenny Maine. Kenny Maine's a nice guy. I've met him a couple of times, just a gentleman, had him on the radio. And we don't get enough money for Kenny Maine. Well, wait, we have enough money for Mia Kimes, who does a fine job. Pablo Torre, we have enough money for the L. L, who does Sports Center now, does L Duncan. We have enough money for everybody. We have enough money for Bamani Jones. We have enough money for my good friend, Steve Levy. I hope he's not put in this situation. He's a good friend. The issue becomes, why is Kenny Mayne taking a pay cut? And who else is taking a pay cut? What don't we know here, Tom? Uh, well, here's what we know. It's age discrimination a lot of times is what it is. It's actually the one age discrimination is now the out loud discrimination that we're allowed to scream about. We're allowed to do it with the president. We're allowed to do it with uh, with with employment. And it happens quite often in uh, and it happens in broadcasting a lot when they can get rid of Kenny Maine and all those other people that you mentioned are really talented. They can get a lot cheaper. They did it with. Well, they've done. I almost, I'm not going to say that, but they a lot of times people like you and me uh, can be uh, can be gotten rid of for one reason or another. They'll say uh, that the uh, the show has run its course. On the other hand, they can get other people for half the price. And oh, that's well, remember, let me stop you for a second. We were never told anything. We were taken off across the street to P.F. Chang saying how great we were. We we, we, we were never told anything. Remember that the key to us and our run uh, coming to an end in a legal way, beautiful, beautiful Mm -hmm. ride off into the sunset is we dealt with people who didn't have the balls to tell us that anything needed to be changed or anything could be changed or anything could be better. They just took us to lunch or said hi and always knew what they were going to do, always knew what they were going to do. So there was no discrimination there. It was just a way of not handling a relationship for 17 plus. Yeah, because yeah, I have to be careful yeah. not to say that. But what happens quite often, and you see it, you know, remember with Phil Sims. Let's go back. Let's, let's get, since we're, we, 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 we were, our friendship was born out of talking sports. You know, the Giants didn't keep Phil Sims around because of new salary cap rules. Phil Sims could have played a couple of more years. Didn't feel like going and playing for another team. You see it happen in sports a lot, too, when they can get rid of a guy and bring in somebody for half the price. And we see it a lot of times we see that in sports. And we also see guys in sports, and you see it in the NBA, where somebody doesn't want to be a role player, Carmelo Anthony and people like that. They do not want to come in off the bench and take a little bit of a pay cut. And I don't know if Kenny May was asked that. And you once you reach a certain amount, if probably what happened, he probably was asked to take a pay cut and you know, maybe he didn't need to, or maybe he's got another opportunity. Kenny Maine's going to, he's good. It was a really big thing in the media this week that a lot of people were kind of looking around going, wait a second. There's some other people that deserve pay cuts. I know (laughs) they're not as good because there are, you know, there's a competing sports cable network that has no viewers, literally little to no viewers and pay. You know, a guy like Skip Bayless, $6 million for a a show that's tiny, a a minuscule in the big picture when it comes to sports. But I guess you're afraid to lose Skip and you lose the whole pyramid comes down to the ground. One of the debates that could come out of that. But there's no pay cuts there. I'm just surprised. And again, I Skip in the years, years ago would come on the radio and fine. He's he's now morphed into a character. A, a high-paid character. Yeah, yeah, he has, and that, and that. Well, you know, God, that happens if you got to do that act that often. And yeah, yeah, he he's kind of turned into a little bit of a caricature himself, but God, he's talented. And he makes a lot of money, and he deserves yeah. that. But Kenny Mayne, 
I was a little bit surprised because I think he does a good job. When he's on SportsCenter, I'm friends with Linda Cohn, and she mm-hmm. comes on my show, and I come on, and we co-host together. I really like Linda Cohn. When I see her come on SportsCenter. Linda Cohn, by the way, just behind your back, Linda Cohn thinks you're great. Oh, so I think funny. You're She's yeah, so nice. yeah. Connect. We're connected to the SUNY system. She went to Oswego. Oh, I really? Went, we wow. talked about that. Do you know the most famous person to go to SUNY Oswego? Steve Levy. That would be Jerry Seinfeld went to SUNY Oswego, I think, for one semester, uh, which is about as, as long as anybody wants to be at SUNY Oswego, but their parents will yell at them. They can't just stop and go back to their stand-up comedy act like Jerry could. SUNY Oswego might be the coldest campus it is of, of any college on the planet. It's right off of Lake Ontario, and it is cold. It, it's 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 warm there in July and August. It's like Maine, and that's about it. Well, when you look at uh, going to college in upstate New York, <laughs> is you're able to drink. You're able to drink yeah, yeah. and have form friendships. There's no bikini parties. <laughs> you're able to have relationships and friendships indoors. There are not a lot of bikini. Uh, parties there no doubt about that but <laughs> I, I will tell you this when you look back at the college years and i've always said this it was the best years of my life the best years of my life and i'm sure jerry would say the same thing other than the fact that jerry's almost a billionaire so i'm sure a lot of the years after no. college went very well for jerry yeah jerry was jerry was an odd egg. jerry yeah jerry i i think went to college very just maybe for a year or two or maybe not at all, because Jerry was uh, at the forefront of something called stand-up comedy, and he was doing those clubs. And it's amazing when you take a look at the list of the 70s and 80s comedians. It really was a golden era of comedians, of all those guys like Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld and Jay Leno. And you know what? From comedians in cars getting coffee. Love it. You, that, he... You know, those all those guys and Eddie Murphy, the reverence that Jerry Seinfeld has for a younger Eddie Murphy was fascinating to watch in comedians and cars getting coffee. And it's interesting. Jerry has that that act, which he's better than everybody. But he it's interesting to see for whom he has reverence and who he's close to because he doesn't seem like a chummy guy. But uh, that's what's fun about watching that show. He's, he's really close to a lot of those From guys. the same hometown I am. I'm proud to be from Massapequa, home of Jerry Seinfeld, mm-hmm. Joey Buttafuoco, and the Stray Cats. A few more people, Ooh. a couple athletes here. But those that's are why you've got cat class and you've got cat style. Okay. And when you download this podcast as you're listening, and we greatly appreciate you sharing it and a couple of great guests coming up, I'll be in Massapequa. I'm taking my first trip back to New York in a oh long, long time. I'm a godfather. At my godson's uh, Andrew's Holy Communion. Nice. I take that very seriously. I'm going back just by myself, not with my wife and sons. Quick in and out, in and out to stand up there with my godson and then spend a couple days with my parents, see my aunt Valerie, my cousins, and then come right back and then hopefully do a longer trip out there. But I'm really excited when the plane hits the ground. Oh, that's New great. York and oh. I come out at JFK. Because that's something I forgot. It's been so long. I've traveled a bunch, but I haven't tra- traveled into Metro New York. And I'm looking for a great, real good trip that we can explore on the next podcast. Yeah, I have got my brother who's got my brother who's an amazing character is, uh, is gone in the month of July. So I have to go back and visit mom. Finally, I have to decide whether I'm going to do it in June or in August. <clears throat> I have a great First Communion story. If you, I don't know if you've ever seen the Omen movies. Yes. I was like, my first communion, 
It's just so funny. The hocus pocus. You look it. like Damien in the omen. Did that no, I, you, you yeah. would think you would think I would. No, you would. The haircut was fine. Come over to the side. I still have the picture I, from my third. It was in third grade and I can name everybody in the picture, by the way. Um, I got my first community and they didn't do any practicing. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't like any new foods or anything. You know, you like you eat your spaghetti, you eat what you eat. You don't try new things. You know, you don't try broccoli until you're 25. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I got the first communion. And I had to, you know, you get the first communion and then you would walk around the church and go into the pew. And as I'm walking around the church, I'm going. It was like my body was like Damien, like was rejecting it. Like I was the antichrist. <laughs> it was just because of the discomfort of, of a child having this food. You know, it's like bread. It's unleavened bread in my mouth. And I didn't know what it was going to taste like. And it was very bland and I didn't like it. And I was circling the church, making these convulsing noises like a little demon child. It was very, very odd and funny looking back. And sometimes it is, you know, when you go all of a sudden you're on the outside looking in at religion, sometimes there are, is some comedy there. Well, you'll look great. You look speedo ready. I'm looking at you. <laughs> your tan as you've ever yes. been. You're yes. swole. You look very good. Uh, don't be ashamed to have a bottle of wine or a piece of bread at Taylor's over the weekend. You look fabulous. <laughs> oh, yes. It's uh, I've been I've been fasting. You know, it's very oh, popular. You're not fun to be around when you're fasting. No, you're not, I'm not, not fun to be around. <laughs> Score. It's a walk off. Oh, it's a walk off. It's a, you know, I've, I've heard you nights where it was 11 o'clock Pacific oh. time or 10 o'clock and you were starving. Oh, my God. You were update with late scores on the West Coast. Right. Or sometimes if I was debating with you and they thought I was losing my sense of likability with the audience. <laughs> uh, Aaron or Lauren back in the days would open up the door during a commercial and say, eat a fucking carb. And then close the door <laughs> back, back in the day. So, yeah, I was doing fasting long before it was a popular thing. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.